Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Hi everyone, my name is Nadine and I'm on staff here at Connect Church serving as the worship director. And I'm so delighted to be sharing with you today about a topic that's so important to me. And honestly, it's something that I wish the church talked more about as I was growing up. Today we'll be finishing our Abide series as we've been talking about what it means to go through our lives with Jesus at the center by devoting intentional time to spend with him and meeting him through community. And to conclude, now we'll be discussing what it means to live in the spirit and how it impacts our daily lives. See, growing up, I was taught that the Holy Spirit was like a good angel on your shoulder and he would give you a little strange feeling when you were about to do something wrong. And I always heard him referred to as it instead of he, the person that he actually is. And for some reason, it always seemed that the spirit was just supposed to be in special people. Like if you had the spirit in you, you made it. That's the level of Christian you aspire to be. And all these misconceptions led to a complete misunderstanding of the role of the spirit in our lives. And on the other side of that was a mysterious and vast beauty of who he is and what he does. But I stand or sit before you today saying that I love, I deeply love the Holy Spirit for who he really is. I very honestly say that I cannot talk and glorify God without the Spirit. I cannot love and reflect God's heart without the Spirit. I cannot make decisions that honor the Lord without the Spirit. I can't even be here before you sharing with you today without him. The presence of God is my lifeline the air that I breathe, the purpose of my day, and it's one that I would never give up for anything else. And I recognize that you might be hearing this message as a longtime believer who has the spirit dwelling in their hearts already, and so you're familiar with the magnificent power of the presence of God. Or you might not currently be in relationship with God. Maybe you're checking this church thing out. Maybe you've heard of the Holy Ghost before and to you this might sound like some wacky religious things. Maybe you're somewhere in between. But my hope is that by the end of this, wherever we're at, we'll grow more hungry and desperate for the Spirit. That we'll know who He really is and why Jesus gave us such a gift. That we'll see the need of walking in the Spirit knowing that it would be utterly foolish to do this life apart from God, and that we develop an urgent response to know Jesus more deeply and abide in Him. So before we start, let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the message that you've prepared for us, Lord, and I pray that right now our hearts would be opened and softened to hearing you, to hearing what you have to teach us, God, and that we would hide it in our hearts and live it out every day, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you have poured out for us, God. And today we just worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to start by introducing the biblical context of the Holy Spirit. It's important to know that the Spirit was present at the beginning and involved in creation. He didn't just show up in the New Testament. He's introduced right away from the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says, 
the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, Let us make men in our image. Therefore, implying that there is more than one person here, and we know that it's the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit is also mentioned throughout the rest of the Bible, like in the book of Job and Luke. Alright, so the next thing, the role. The Spirit was given to us as the helper when Jesus ascended. John chapter 15 verse 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And John chapter 16 verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is Jesus speaking. We see more about this in Acts chapter 1, the story of Jesus' ascension, and in Acts chapter 2, when we learn about the disciples receiving the Spirit at Pentecost. This is when they were empowered by the power of God to begin the Christian church and partake in mission. There are many characteristics and roles of the Holy Spirit, and to name some, here's a few. He's our helper. He indwells and seals us guarantees our salvation, assists us in prayer, he baptizes us into the body of Christ, gives us new birth, comfort, joy, he sanctifies us, he restrains us from sinning and testifies of Christ and gives us wisdom. And I encourage you to take a picture of this and to go through all of these scriptural references and learn more about who the Spirit is and how he could be at work in your life. Now that we've acknowledged the many roles that he plays in our walk with Christ as believers, let's focus on what it looks like to live and walk in the Spirit. So let's read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 17 together. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. At first glance, I notice that the word set is repeated at least six times. And of those, five of them are about setting the mind and one about being set free in Christ. To set, by definition, means to cause to assume a specified posture or position. To direct with fixed attention. 
So this tells me that there needs to be a shift that happens, an internal, intentional initiation. It wouldn't just arise naturally. The idea here is that we are naturally inclined as sinners to set our minds on the things of the flesh. But Paul goes on to say, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It leads to death. But a born-again believer's mind is renewed, rewired to set their mind through the power of God on the things of the Spirit, and that leads to life. Because now the Spirit dwells in us. Theologian Matthew Poole said, Christ is in believers by his Spirit, and believers are in Christ by faith. To set the mind on the Spirit is to be set free in Christ. It's to be released from the shackles of this world, released from the fears of this world. You have a change in perspective happen as you value kingdom over culture. You remember that this world isn't our home. It becomes all about the eternal and not the temporary. And you start walking through life knowing that God is present and is sovereign over the whole day. When asked what it means to walk in the Spirit, Charles Stanley answered with this, To walk in the Spirit is to live moment by moment in dependency upon Him. It's to be sensitive to His voice and in obedience to Him. So as we continue talking about this, let's break it down into these three categories. To be dependent upon Him, sensitive to His voice, and obedient to Him. First one, to be dependent. I love how he says it's moment by moment because it shows such desperation. We need oxygen to breathe. Just think about how many breaths you take each day. And now you might become aware of your breathing and I know it's super annoying, so sorry. But we're completely dependent on oxygen to live. Are we that dependent on the presence of God to earnestly seek him and his will every single moment? Are we more inclined to ask for his intervention only when we're in deep trouble and need divine help? But then we disregard him when things are going great? We need to be a people who are so hungry for God that as each second passes, we cry out, More, Abba, we need more of you. I can't live a second without you. Stanley also said that it is so clear in scripture that you cannot live a godly life you cannot serve the Lord adequately unless you understand how he works in your life. And you certainly cannot understand the truth of God's word apart from the Holy Spirit. And so I ask us, do we truly understand how the Spirit works in our lives and our hearts? For me personally, I did a lot of evangelism in college as I was a student leader in University Christian Fellowship. It was one of my favorite things to do on campus. And if we're being honest, I probably spent more hours doing that than studying. Sorry, mom and dad. But even though I did it so many times, there was never a moment that I could approach someone or prepare for a spiritual conversation where I could say, I've got this. Never. Because if I were to go about it in my own power and with my own abilities, it would mean nothing. It means nothing if God is not at the center, if God is not the one who is orchestrating the moment. One story that comes to mind is when I was starting a Bible study during my freshman year in college. We had one of our very first meetings and towards the end I just felt so strongly that God had an encouraging word for one of my friends who attended. 
I hesitated a little bit, but eventually I went up to him and I did one of those, hey man, I know this is going to sound really weird, really random, but God wants you to know that he loves you and that you're going to come to know and feel a love like you've never known before. And it, yeah, it was a little awkward because at the end he was just like, thanks, and he kept walking. But fast forward a few days, he reached out and he was saying that he was thinking about those words and he realized that he's felt so at peace and so filled with joy ever since then for the first time in a while. And throughout those next two years, God was planting seeds in his life. He was pursuing him this whole time and he eventually got to see him decide to follow Jesus. And he had said that this love of God is the one that he's never known before and it was something that changed his life. One other quick story of how the Spirit equips us with all that we need. I did a medical missions trip in Philly a couple summers ago, and toward the end of the trip we went into a shelter to talk to some of the men who were there. And as I was talking to one guy, we were talking about his life and his hardships, his regrets, and I felt the Spirit of God leading me to read the Bible with him. And so he, as, he, as he got up and to go get the Bible provided by the shelter, I said a quick little prayer and asked God to lead me to the book and the chapter that he wanted us to read. And I sensed him saying to go to Psalm chapter 91. And so when the man got back, I asked him to go there um, and he looked at me so shocked. He shows me his wrist where he had a huge Psalm 91 tattoo. And I promise you, I did not see it before. But it led to a beautiful God-centered conversation and it was amazing to see the Lord provide so specifically. There's so many books and chapters in the Bible, how could it ever be a coincidence? See what I loved about this is that I loved how tiny I was in those situations because I knew that I have such a big God and this is the moment where I see Him work. Work past all of my flaws, my own sins and insecurities, and use me as his vessel to share the gospel. I never want to approach a situation like this thinking, I got this. It would be foolish to think that I can glorify God without complete surrender to the presence and power of God. So I ask us, do we have the type of faith to know that God can use us in big ways? That the Holy Spirit will speak through us and say exactly what needs to be said when it needs to be said? Man, I have so many moments in college that were filled with regret. Moments where I knew God was calling me to share the gospel with someone and to talk to them, but I hesitated because I feared. I feared that I wouldn't have the words to say, that I wouldn't say it eloquently, or that I'd mess up and somehow make them hate Christians altogether. The truth is, yeah, I mean, sometimes you won't have the words, but you will when God wills it, when he knows you need them, when he wants to remind your heart of his truth and of his word. Don't miss out on these opportunities. John Piper said that all the forces of darkness will seek to confuse you and obscure the light of truth in that hour. All the proportions of power in the world will appear to make God look distant and small and ineffective like nothing. That's the goal of Satan always. That's the goal of sin. Make God look useless, make him look worthless in this hour, and the work of the Spirit of Truth, the work of the Holy Spirit is to lead you into truth, to give you whatever measure of truth in your mind. 
and maybe just a fragment, whatever measure of truth you will need in order to be faithful. You might have a bad memory, but the spirit doesn't. And he will be there with what you need to remember. For us, do we believe that the Holy Spirit we have in our hearts today is the same Holy Spirit that the disciples had as we read their amazing stories in the book of Acts? Because I think that if we truly believe that and lived like it, that we would see such a bold and on fire church. The Great Commission would be an exciting part of our identity and not something that sounds scary or like it should just be for the qualified. The next part of this is to be sensitive to his voice. In John chapter 10 verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Have you ever just stopped and really thought about that? I was at a retreat one time and I just had this moment where I was like, whoa, we could actually talk to God and he talks to us. We have that direct access to him. It blew my mind for a good hour. But there's something about being sensitive to his voice, to his guidance and leadership, but also to know his voice as his sons and daughters. Let's continue reading Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 12. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, there's going to be a lot of voices thrown at you as you go through life. Voices that will tell us that we should quit, we're not worthy of being loved, that we're failures. All these negative thoughts. Or even voices that will convince you to take your eyes off of eternity and sin in the moment. But we have a choice with what to do with these voices. Either they seep into our minds and reside there. They set up camp and influence our actions. Or we're going to have a filter to know what should be let in and paid attention to or what needs to be casted out. The question is, whose voice are we most dependent on, listening to, hungry for, letting steer our day? I love how the word says that we didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption as sons whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know, it's, it's one thing to think that you're approaching God as a beggar, but it's a completely different world when you know you're approaching him as his child, his beloved child. As a child is growing, his parents' voices are so crucial to his development and growth. Their voices can be the soothing touch that he needs when he's in distress, the validating exclamation that he needs when he's doing something correctly, and the peaceful, safe haven he needs when accidents happen. Their voices are his compass, 
as he discovers and navigates the world and so it is with our sweet Lord. We need to know who we belong to and we need to pay attention to what he's saying because there's so much that we can't see. So much that is beyond our grasp, beyond our understanding and limitations. But friends, it is not beyond God. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is all-knowing, omnipresent, so we can trust that we are in the greatest hands. So what does this mean? How can we be sensitive to his voice? Well, we can start by treasuring his already written out voice. Once we become familiar with the word of God already spoken and characteristics of God already portrayed in the Bible, we will be able to better recognize his voice and direction throughout the day. For example, God will never tell you to steal something. We already know that that's a sin from the Ten Commandments. However, God will tell you to love your neighbor, to be compassionate, to turn the other cheek. We need to know his voice. One of the major roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to God and be a witness. And so as we are all called to be partakers in the Great Commission, there will be moments when God will nudge you to share the gospel, to invite someone to your home and engage in discipleship, to pray for someone with them. And in reference to the purpose of the Holy Spirit, in John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says, He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's another quote that says, The Christian life is a life in whom the Holy Spirit is dwelling and through whom the Holy Spirit is expressing the life of Jesus. So we need to trust that if the Holy Spirit is leading us to do something, convicting us to change something, or nudging us to go in a specific direction, if it's really of God, then it will bring glory to God in one way or another. And if this is the case, then we need to be obedient. So next time you feel that nudge, just try saying, yes, Lord, use me as you will to bring glory to your name and let him do the rest. And lastly, the presence of peace is crucial in determining if it's God's voice. God is not a God of disorder, but order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Abiding in the Spirit leads to supernatural peace. This peace can't be attained outside of unity with the Prince of Peace himself. And we need him in every moment, no matter where we go. There's a popular TikTok video, and don't worry, I saw it on Instagram, I haven't crossed over yet, but this video has someone asking if you need Jesus to go to heaven, and someone answers saying, boy, you need Jesus to go to Walmart, which I think is pretty funny, but it's true. There isn't a place where we wouldn't need him with us. And as we go through this life, we'll be faced with many trials and tribulations. But the one thing that changes how you go through these times is the presence of God in the midst of the situation. There's a quote that said, being a Christian doesn't mean that you don't go through trials, but it does mean, however, that you'll never go through them alone. Hannah Whittle Smith said, in the secret of God's tabernacle, no enemy can find us and no troubles can reach us. 
the pride of man and the strife of tongues find no entrance into the pavilion of God. The secret of his presence is a more secure refuge than a thousand Gibraltars. I do not mean that no trials come. They may come in abundance, but they cannot penetrate into the sanctuary of the soul, that we may dwell in perfect peace even in the midst of life's fiercest storms. The last part of this is obedience. As we are dependent on the Spirit, sensitive to His voice, the next appropriate response would be to live in obedience. Abiding leads to obedience. There is an action necessary here. And our obedience leads to the evident production of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. As followers of Jesus, we want to represent him well. We want to bear good fruit. And this fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in our lives as we abide in Jesus more and more. One of the biggest things humans struggle with is self-control in multiple ways, especially when it comes to resisting temptations. It's very difficult to resist temptations with our own power. Our flesh will bring up every enticing reason as to why we should give in because it'll serve us so well in that moment. This is a very tough battle to win on our own. And God knew that. Jesus was tempted, but he knew that through his Father's power, he could overcome. And today, when you're faced with temptations, when you have the opportunity to sin, remember that on your own, it'll be very difficult to resist. But as we abide in the Spirit and as He dwells in our hearts, He provides us with strength to turn away and turn our eyes on Jesus. We become more than conquerors. Our response to sin is a reflection of our heart and love for God. See, we can either feed the flesh or we can feed the soul. And today I'm encouraging us to starve the flesh to come to Jesus with all of our weakness and humbly ask him to be our strength, to help us become more like him and to see more fruit of the spirit in our lives. One of my favorite things ever said about sin is that whenever we sin, we commit identity fraud because that's not who Jesus intended for us to be. But through Christ, we are born again. And we're given a new life. We're released from this vicious cycle. We're given a new name, a new purpose. We're made new. Though we may sin, it is no longer having a hold on us. Because we draw close to Christ and we do whatever we can to know him more. There is so much grace. The Spirit of God equips us with all that we need and more. And so as we wrap up today, I want us to remember that the Lord is our shepherd. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And with the presence of God in our lives, we lack absolutely nothing. We have all that we need. But we need to thirst for the Spirit. We need to walk through every day with the Spirit and grow to know more of who Jesus is. 
Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says that we need to be filled with the Spirit and that can only come from abiding. John Piper said, Satan devotes 168 hours a week trying to deceive you. Do you think that you can maintain a renewed mind with a 10 minute glance at God's book once a day? We need to be intentional and consistent with how we spend our time with the Lord. We need to be observant of how the Spirit is moving. We'll be talking about this in a couple weeks, but this idea of a Kairos moment, a God moment, there's so many of these that we miss throughout our day because we're just not paying attention. I know I didn't pay attention until I was regularly asked, how is God at work in your life this week? And so as you go through this next week, try to be alert and expectant. Let yourself be dependent on the Spirit sensitive to his voice and be ready to be obedient to his calling. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Christ, to magnify the beauty of Jesus and to communicate to our heart and mind the preciousness and majesty of Christ. So I have a couple invitations for you today. Ways that we can respond to what we just heard. If you are currently not following Jesus, but you're feeling a stirring in your heart, all of this just sounds like something you want to partake in, learn more about. You want the Spirit of God to dwell inside of you. You want to set your mind on the things of God and not the flesh. You want to be renewed and reborn. I invite you to pray wherever you're at and ask Jesus to come and reside in your heart, to make it his home, to give you a new name and a new life all through his saving grace. And if you do want to make this decision today to follow Jesus, we'd love to pray for you and walk through this journey with you. So please let us know on all of our platforms, whichever one you're on, there will be a link that comes up and you can let us know through that. And if you're hearing this and you're longing for more of Jesus, you're already a believer, you have this relationship, but you just want more fruit of the Spirit in your life, I also invite you to pray and to ask the Lord to give you strength to help you seek Him more earnestly and intentionally and to grow thirsty for the Spirit, dependent, sensitive, and obedient to Him. And if that's you, also feel free to let us know by requesting prayer or connecting with us. We'd love to talk to you and help you as well. And I ask that wherever you're at, that you would just extend your hand out in a receiving posture as I pray for the Spirit to fill our hearts and to fill our church. So Lord, we thank you for this word that you have blessed our hearts and our lives with today, God. And I pray that it doesn't end here. I pray that you would continue to fill us up with the Spirit, Lord, that we would be alert and expectant to what you are doing, knowing that you are so powerful, that you are so able, God. And so I just pray this over our whole church, that we would be a congregation on fire for you, a congregation deeply in love with you, Lord, and a congregation that knows you and is sensitive, obedient, and dependent upon the Holy Spirit, God. We thank you for your love, for who you are, and for what you're doing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to be growing with you, worshiping with you, and learning more about who God is together. We hope to see you soon. And Connect Kids, don't go anywhere. Your service is coming right up. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. 
You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.